Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And this is episode three with Sandra Tanner from Light Utah Lighthouse Ministries. Sandra has been around uh, longer than any of our ministries and ministering to the Mormon people telling truth and pointing them to Jesus. And if you're not familiar with Sandra, we hope that you'll go to utlm.org and see the many things that she has, the books that they have, the things they've written over the years, the many newsletters that they have. Sandra, welcome back. Yes, hello. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we did we tie up your story. I think we're at the point where you have met Gerald, you and Gerald have figured out that Mormonism probably isn't true, although you're, I'm not sure you've jettisoned the Book of Mormon yet, but you certainly have picked up the Bible. Tell us, um, pick us up where we are. Okay, when Gerald and I uh, first met, Gerald had given up Utah Mormonism. Uh, He had uh, studied the Doctrine and Covenants and seen that the revelations had been changed. And he'd looked a lot at early church history and uh, had decided that he couldn't accept the Mormon church as being what it claimed to be. Now, in that process, he did um, get rid of Joseph Smith in his thinking, but he still was hanging on to the Book of Mormon. And in that process, he met a little group in Missouri that believed just the Book of Mormon and the Bible. I gave up everything else. And it was through that little group that Gerald came to faith in Christ. But he was still hanging on to the Book of Mormon. Got it. Okay. Yep. And that makes perfect sense because the Book of Mormon does have a lot more in common with the Bible than it does actually running against it. Right. So when I meet Gerald, he's telling me all these things he's found. And uh, I start looking into the changes in the revelations and what David Whitmer, witness of the Book of Mormon, had said about how Joseph changed early things in the church and that we should just go with the Bible and Book of Mormon. Well, I too was raised uh, believing the Book of Mormon. So it's not like it was a matter of do I believe this or not? You just always believed it. And then you're trying to figure out yeah. which pieces are wrong to jettison. And that takes a while to sort through that stuff. Oh, so, yeah. And and I think keeping the Book of Mormon is a very typical stage for a lot of us who were figuring this out. Mike and I certainly went through that stage where we wanted to jettison Joseph Smith or jettison Brigham Young, keep Joseph Smith, keep, keep the Book of Mormon. You know, there are these different, like, there's so much to look at, right? Right, Absolutely. And it's, yes. a, it's frightening to give it all up at once because your identity's gone and you don't know where to start. So it's like you can deal with one thing at a time. Yeah. yeah. And in the Book of Mormon, in that sense, helped us move back into a biblical worldview and more sound doctrine because we saw the Book of Mormon taught that there was only one God. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yes. let's go back and look at the Bible. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes. So we went backwards into the Bible and Christianity by using the book, since we believe the Book of Mormon, using it as the litmus test for doctrine. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we had to give up uh, God became God. Uh, the Book of Mormon says God's eternally God. We had to give up temple work because the Book of Mormon says that when you die, it seals your fate. Uh, we had yes. to give up pre-existence because that's not taught in the Book of Mormon. Uh, uh, three levels of heaven isn't taught in the Book of Mormon. All oh, these things right. then drove yeah. us back to see what the Bible said about those things. So we backed into trusting the Bible, I guess you'd say. <laughs> uh, and then as the uh, we got more serious, we got married and... Uh, we were not going to the Mormon church anymore at that point. We had already decided that uh, uh, that was not God's church. We, we weren't really looking for a church as such at that point. We were looking for a group of people that, um, well, we knew we couldn't find one called the Book of Mormon out in California. The, we'd had to move to Missouri to find that. But on our own, we were just studying the scriptures, studying Mormon history, uh, getting more and more solid in our reasons for not accepting Mormonism and uh, enjoying Bible and Book of Mormon studies in our home. Now, at the same time, we were visiting around at Christian churches. And okay. it, it, it was hard for me to understand all this. Uh, grace is a very hard concept for a Mormon. You, uh, it's a reciprocal thing with God. You do your part, keep your half of the bargain and then god rewards you and gives you eternal life if you keep all the rules and so it's a process to get to a point where you see uh god's grace offered to you as a sinner that you didn't have righteousness of your own to offer to god that he works in you uh to do his will and th the idea of god's righteousness being given to us as our covering and it was just hard Romans yeah. was very hard as a Mormon to try to figure out what that book was all about. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm, oh. I'm visiting around these different churches. Um, so here we get married in June of 59. I don't come to faith in Christ until October of that year. And that came about from listening to Christian radio and a minister preaching on First uh, John chapter four, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. And so that's when I came to faith in Christ. However, we still were stuck with that book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, what, yeah, so what led to the transition finally away from the book of Mormon? Well, uh, that was a process. Gerald had been studying problems with the Book of Mormon more than me. And he was troubled. The more he read the Bible and the Book of Mormon, the more he realized how much the Book of Mormon plagiarized from the Bible. Yeah, okay. And then seeing that the Book of Mormon is quoting Paul before Paul's even born. I mean, it doesn't say he's quoting Paul, but the phrasing is Paul's. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then Gerald's trying to figure this out. Well, how do you get all these New Testament verses and phrases in the Old Testament period of the Book of Mormon, where they're talking about Jesus and forgiveness of sins and all these things? You know, I mean, there were just these anachronisms that didn't fit. Yeah. So th that was a struggle for us, more for Gerald than me. And 
when we, uh, Gerald had written to this uh, little church back in Missouri that still believed the Book of Mormon, but they were Christians. They just were still half out of Mormonism. And he wrote to them and asked them, well, how do you guys reconcile all this Bible stuff being in the Book of Mormon? And uh, they didn't have much answers. It sounded a lot like what the Mormons would answer. You know, well, God can reveal the same words to all people and uh, he could reveal the same thing to somebody here in America. But that doesn't really satisfy you the more you think about it, you know. Nah, right. Well, and out. Gerald was always so literary yeah. in his thinking and understanding historical context and literary context. Right. So, yeah, those excuses weren't going to fly with Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have any issues with uh, the Book of Mormon being in King James? Was that something that you uh, remember talking about? Well, I suppose that would have been part of it, because in the fact that the Book of Mormon phrases from Paul <laughs> or Jesus or whoever in the Old Testament knew Book of Mormon, um, we're all quoting King James Bible. I'm not sure how much he had understood that part of it, but he knew it was there. I mean, he was aware that it was in the King James, but I don't know how much he had really tried to analyze why wasn't it in the NIV version, right? You know, why, why King right. James? Yeah. <laughs> Well, why, not, why not a new translation? Why isn't God just giving the same concepts, but not the same words? And, and so let's walk, walk the audience through that, because everybody might not get what we're talking about. Book of Mormon, supposedly 600 years before Christ until about what? I'm, it's a, 400. Couple, yeah. Yeah. Until 600. Go ahead, Sandra. 600 BC to 400 AD, approximately. Thousand yes. Years, approximately. And King James did not exist at the time. No, no. So, so if that was these and vows being used by people in 600 BC. <laughs> uh, Gerald pondered this, how it could be the same words. And I guess you'd say, yeah, that was, a, was part of the Book of Mormon use of King James English. That would be a problem. So what he finally concluded, this is so funny about how you try to rationalize things. Uh, God had somehow shown the Nephites in the Book of Mormon, the King James Bible. Oh, oh, now, okay. that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the only way he could figure they could have that verbiage is they had to have seen and understood what a King James Bible was saying, would say when it was finally written down. <laughs> so he took so. something from the future yeah. and took it back and showed the uh, Nephites interesting. Well, you know, he's using his logical brain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, that becomes uh, heavier and heavier when you keep trying to rationalize things. And uh, we both had been reading critical books on the Book of Mormon issues in the early 60s because we didn't give up the Book of Mormon until the fall of 62. So who so, were who were some of those early authors you were reading then that uh, were already taking on kind of the Book of Mormon? Yeah, M.T. Uh, Lamb's The Golden Bible. Yes, well, yeah, and that was from back in the like late 1800s, early 1900s, right? right? right. Yeah. A, a minister here in Salt Lake uh, took on the Book of Mormon, gave nightly sermons, uh, talks, on why the Book of Mormon couldn't be historical and should be rejected by Christians. Well, then it was put into a book called the Golden Bible. And it's a serious analysis of the internal structure of the Book of Mormon. 
And we both read that and it caused us a lot of uh, concerns. One of the concerns that I had as I'm reading this, and I couldn't tell you the uh, verses right off, but in that book, he talks about the problem of the Book of Mormon people not living the law of Moses correctly. And of course, most of us, we, yeah. most Christians don't study the Old Testament enough to even grasp the problem. But, but in it, he points out that this isn't the civilization we would expect to find if you truly had a group of Israelites here in America who say themselves that they are keeping the law of Moses. This is a meticulous issue for them that they yeah. make this point. We keep the law of Moses. Right. Well, on their sacrifices in the Book of Mormon, they have them offering uh, offerings to God from the first of the flock. Well, the first of the flock's already God's. So if you're going to bring a praise offering to God at the temple, you don't use the first flock of the flock. Right. That's, right. yeah, that's already been set aside for sacrifice. So, right. And uh, so, I mean, it sounds so minute, particular, you know, like that's all you got, you know. And no, when I hit that, I thought, wait a minute. Uh, they, this is all sounding like a Protestant in the 1800s writing a book, not like real Israelites at the time would have described their culture. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a temple, and yet women and children are going to the temple. Uh, and in Judaism, the women and children would not be in the inside in the temple. Right. They're right. not talking about the courtyard. You know, the Book of Mormon has to go in a meeting in the temple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there were just these different things that pop up in this book that say to us, wait a minute, there's something really wrong here. It doesn't sound like the period it claims to be from. It sounds like a Christian who thought he knew what the Jews would be doing. Now, I had a BYU professor once uh, criticize our um, problems with the Book of Mormon over this sacrifice issue of they, they were doing the sacrifices wrong. He said, oh, well, who knows that? What difference would that make? You know, that's a small point. And I said, well, but in the Leviticus. old the Jews took this pretty serious, you know. And yeah. So, uh, it's not in step with what you would expect of a Israelite culture, that they would be um, willy-nilly about how they did the sacrifices. Right. Yeah. And everything else that went on in the temple and yeah. the fact that there was only one high priest instead of thousands in Mormonism, right? So I, I like to ask Mormons often, so is your temple similar to the original temple in Jerusalem that the Jews have? And is what goes on? And they, they typically say, sure, yes, right. Yeah, God's, right. they have no clue that what goes on in a Mormon temple is nothing at all like what the Bible says. In fact, everything in that temple points to Jesus and there's a reason for it, right? And of course, right. when Jesus dies on the cross, there's no more need for a temple. Mormons have no idea idea about any of those biblical concepts right yeah, yeah. So, and over and over and over when i was especially in latin america when i was doing mormon temple open house visits when they would they opened up a whole slew of temples and almost every single time during the presentation at some point they would say that they would say and our temple here is like a continuation of the temple um, Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. And so the mm -hmm. same things that happen there are happening here. And here's our baptismal font that has the 12 oxen, just like the temple back there. 
And of course, you're not allowed to comment or ask questions. And so right. <laughs> I would just take notes and then ask the guide usually after when we got into the visitor center. But I mean, this was something they would emphasize over and over again yes. um, to the point we finally wrote a couple articles on just the comparison of the two to say, wait, it's not. There, there's nothing the same that happens in the two right. places. Right. So the uh, fall of uh, 62, uh, Daryl came home from work. Uh, he, he was uh, working as a machinist after we got married for the first five years of our marriage. And okay. uh, he came home from work and uh, he says, I need to talk to you about something. Oh, well, who knows where, where that's going, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, he says, uh, the fellows at work have commented at times about the fact that during, the fellows at work had commented that they see him studying uh, scriptures during lunch break, but uh, they notice he sometimes is using a Book of Mormon. And they knew he wasn't regular Mormon, but seeing him with a Book of Mormon left them wondering what this was all about. Why? And what do you really, so they confront him at work. What do you really believe? Anyways, you know, we see you with the Bible and you're with the Book of Mormon. I mean, I don't think you're Mormon. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so do you believe the Book of Mormon to be true? Okay, this put Gerald on the spot. Yeah. To, to finally resolve this in his mind. Do I, do I really believe this? And he's telling me. So I said to these fellows, no, I don't believe the Book of Mormon. I only follow the Bible. So that's what he wanted to tell me that wow. he had come to this momentous conclusion. And I said, well, praise God, because I'm at the same point myself. Mm. So separately, God had been dealing with both of us that the Book of Mormon, although it has some inspiring parts in it, that's not enough to make it God's scripture. That uh, there are many very fine, inspiring books at a Christian bookstore. But just because they're inspiring or have some good teachings in them or at places where it honors Christ, that doesn't make them the word of God. Yeah, exactly. And so I told Gerald, well, I've been worried about this too after reading Lamb's book. Uh, I have just a lot of questions in my mind about the Book of Mormon's authenticity as a historical document. And so even though I had found comfort in it as a baby Christian reading the Book of Mormon, I saw a lot of things that made me think more deeply about Christ. But because it does that, is that enough to say something is actually God's word to us? And so I told him, yeah, I have quit believing it as well. Wow. So <laughs> now how cool you guys come to that same conclusion about the same time. Uh, right. Yeah. And then, uh, so this starts us into our um, beginnings of our research and work that we end up doing all our life. Because when we tell our families that we're leaving Mormonism, we're not just leaving Mormonism, we're now leaving the Book of Mormon, we're giving up everything. And, and this was one thing I had worried about was, it's one thing to leave the church and still believe part of it because in the family, then there's a certain uh, tolerance yeah. that you're just sliding a little bit, you know, away from things, but you'll get back on track. We'll just give you a little time to grow up and mature and then you'll see it's all okay. So there was a tolerance yeah. there, but I knew as soon as I told them, I am making the final break. I am done with everything Mormon. 
uh, the Book of Mormon is no longer held in reverence in our home. <laughs> and uh, I knew that would cause some strong reactions. So I'm worried about that. Um, but even after that night, when we talked about this, it took me uh, probably a couple of weeks before I verbally could say out loud that I don't believe the Book of Mormon anymore. It, it yeah. just took time to, to verbalize that. Um, and I point out to people that it's just like when missionaries go into an area, say, that had believed animism or what, you know, some other form of belief system. Right. When they come to Christ, that doesn't mean all their doctrines are squared away right off the bat. <laughs> no, it's usually a process of years well, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, you were talking about grace a while yeah. ago, right? How, how hard it is for Mormon to wrap their head around grace. Right. I had gone face down, given my life to the Jesus of the Bible. And two years later, I'm sitting in a Nazarene church listening to the pastor. And I just wanted to stand up and shout hallelujah. It was the first time I ever understood grace. I got yeah. it that yeah. day, but that was two years yeah. of wow. trying to wrap my head around the idea that my works right. weren't something I could lay at the foot of the cross that would matter. To, right. to yeah. Let's um, let Sandra give us a little preview then of how in the world you got into ministry just for a couple of minutes, and then we'll go there for episode four. Well, we didn't think of it in the terms of, uh, of ministry in the sense of a formal kind of uh, uh, group thing that we would uh, formally be a ministry or something. We had no idea about that. We just thought in terms of when I tell my family about these different changes in the Doctrine and Covenants, they all say I'm crazy. When I tell them Brigham Young taught all yeah. these horrible sermons, they say, uh, that's not true. They didn't record it right. And they would just give me all this pushback on it. So mm -hmm. we decided we're going to have to write this stuff down and get copies that we can give out to people. So I guess where the last question maybe I want to finish up with is, how did you start getting access to this documentation? Um, because this, again, is 1960s, right? Well, no, it's earlier than that. It's 59. Mm -hmm. Okay. When, All right. Uh, when... When we, in 59 in California, after we had left the church, of course, still hanging on the Book of Mormon, we bought a mimeograph machine to start making copies of the different sermon quotes that we felt were troubling for why we were leaving the church. At that point, we still believed the Book of Mormon. But we thought, well, if we could just show them what's wrong with uh, Mormonism, with Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, then they'd want to know about Jesus uh, and come out. And you but it were, wasn't that simple. <laughs> you were yeah. getting these quotes from church sources, correct? Right. This was discourses. Journal of Discourses, yeah. History of the Church, mm -hmm. uh, early Mormon published books. So it, these weren't from anti-Mormon sources. These were right. from the, any of the, of the early literature any historian would use to look at early Mormonism. And so how accessible were these? Like, could you just go out and purchase a set of, for example, History of the Church? You know, the blue volume, there was like yes. six or seven volumes. Okay. Yes, I had one. <laughs> yeah, the History of the Church, uh, by, supposedly by Joseph Smith, was in, published. So was B.H. Roberts' History of the Church. Mm -hmm. uh, there were different books promoting, uh, well, Fawn Brody's No Man Knows My History was out, the biography of Joseph Smith that wasn't favorable. Uh, right. Hers was out, and in her footnotes, she referenced many books that gave us the idea mm -hmm. of what books we needed to go look at. Got it. Okay. Yep. All right. That makes sense. 
because there wasn't the, there wasn't an internet. I mean, so you no. had to go to libraries, you had to go right. and get physical copies of these things and then make a photocopy yeah. that you could then turn into a mimeograph. Right, right. And so one of the reasons we moved back to Salt Lake the next year was because we knew that all the libraries here in Utah had these old original books in them and it would have been easier to access. Now they okay. were in California in the uh, UCLA library, I believe had a lot of those things, but it was quite a process to go in to the university and look those things up. So, uh, I mean, it was like an hour away and it just wasn't oh, wow. for research. So, so in, do, you, do you think you wanted your family to join you in leaving the church or were you just trying to prove you weren't crazy? I mean, was there a point where you got kind of a compassion for folks who were where you had been? Well, it was all of those things. I mean, uh, when we realized that Christianity wasn't what was being disseminated at the LDS church, we became yeah. concerned for our family's salvation. But we also were burdened by the fact that how will we get through to them uh, because we have to prove everything. They won't believe anything I say about why Mormonism can't be true. Yeah. I've got to have original sources. So, Which you've given me a wonderful idea for once we get through these segments on your ministry. I've recently gotten another um, from a Mormon, right? Long letter about all the reasons that I'm wrong. And so let's Let's, for our last couple of episodes, look at some of those arguments and then see what Christianity has to say about some of those things. I think Mormons would be surprised to find that there are really good arguments here. Well, so, I'll have to see the list. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Sandra, thank you again. We look forward to episode four and grace and peace to you, Joel and Sandra. Until next time. Thank so you. long. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm-hmm.